Welcome to episode seven of the podcast. Today we're joined by online coach and mentor Ollie Carson. Ollie's been on the podcast 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 before, and we're delighted he's back. In this episode, we're going to discuss coaching and competition prep. That's bodybuilding competition. Welcome, Ollie. Hope you're well. Thank you so much for having me back, guys. Really, really looking forward to this. Um, I think last time we we spoke more about like coaching as coaches, didn't we? So yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to to get stuck into some topics that I'm really passionate about, which is obviously coaching athletes, etc. So yeah, really looking forward to it. Yeah, and I think that's really important as bodybuilding really is growing here, and I think coaches are not. I don't know if they know the difference between sort of coaching gem pop and then coaching, yeah, like you say, athletes, people are really getting into bodybuilding competitions. Um, and also for all the aspiring bodybuilders here, for what to look for in a, a good coach. So, uh, yeah, and I think let's just get into it. When did you get into comp prep, Ollie, and, and why? Um, I probably fell into it by accident in about 2015. So I was actually prepping for one of my first ever shows, really, really skinny Ollie, men's physique, I was tiny. I must have been, I don't even know how much I weighed, but it was next to nothing. And um, social media was just on the rise at that point. So people were using things like Snapchat at the time in the UK. I don't know if you guys had Snapchat over there in Kenya, but did you have Snapchat? Yeah, I, I, I tried to use it away. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, Snap what? Yeah. But Snapchat, Snapchat was huge in like 2015, 2016. Yep. And I was kind of like, as people do nowadays, I was, you know, recording my progress and almost giving insight as to what I was doing. I was already a qualified personal trainer by this point, but I was in the military so I wasn't really working as a coach to, to any extent and it just caught interest from a couple of friends you know a couple of friends saw what I was doing um, they liked the look as many people do on the outside you see somebody getting really lean looking quite sexy not to say that I was looking sexy <laughs> I mean. and it just sparked interest and I, I just had friends reaching out and actually it was my, my first my very first um, online clients were both bikini athletes oh, nice. so they reached out and said they wanted to yeah. do something similar they'd seen it all, all it started blowing up in sort of 2015 16 um and they wanted me to help help them prep for a show and i really shouldn't have taken them on to be honest with you because i wasn't equipped with the the tools or the experience to do so but i did it and we got a decent result and then i just i just fell in love with coaching athletes at that point to be honest with you so do you I mean, there's not really a qualification that you get to to coach sort of athletes, is there? No. No. No, it's, I mean, you, you need to obviously have the, the, the base level, basic understanding of thermodynamics, training, all the rest of it to, to get have basically somebody looking their best on a given day. And I think quite often comp prep coaching is potentially overcomplicated by many in an attempt to put themselves on a higher esteem or a a pedestal of you know knowledge and understanding as in their field of expertise but realistically i mean yes there are some trade secrets i guess there are some things that you might do differently with a comp prep client as to as to what you would do with a gem pop client which i'm sure you want to speak about but um outside of the normal stuff coaching people through fat loss whilst retaining if not building muscle there's not much difference you know um so 
anyone can do it, but it helps to have some experience is what I would say. Yeah, of um, course. And does, say, competing help towards that experience? A hundred percent. Just solely from the, the standpoint of, you know, you can come from a place empathetically and, and authentically, you know, so if, you, if you've been through the process of dieting to extreme low levels of body fat and then trying to peak for a, for a particular few minutes on stage and the rigmarole of having tan done correctly and having the correct underwear and all of those different things that feed into the competitive side of bodybuilding or physique or bikini or whatever it might be, being able to come from that place um, authentically definitely helps and that's definitely an asset for anyone who's considering becoming a comp prep coach for sure. Yeah, I think it's a funny thing, competition, because when you think about it, everyone just focuses on the end result and two minutes on stage in your pants looking like the Ron Sill man being looked at by other guys marking you or vice versa but the actual <laughs> the actual bit of the competition is those months beforehand yeah. all the hard work's put in everyone sees a finished article goes I want to have a piece of that I'll do that and then someone says oh I can help you do that when no one really unless you've been through that process realises actually it's a lot harder and especially mentally harder than people give it credit for I think yeah, definitely, and and that's where and that's where your your biggest tools and assets are is like like you say, going through that place and going through that process yourself and having the experience so that when you're dishing out the the various protocols and advice that you give to your athletes, you know exactly what it is, or you have a fair idea of what it is that they're going through emotionally and mentally. Um, it definitely pays in your favour to have that under your belt for sure. Um, just, I was wondering, you're like say my first competition, I. I assumed you had to suffer like badly. Like if you're not suffering, it's not working. So how was your, like, was it the same mindset or you had a bit of an idea of you don't have yeah, to do no, two I'll, hours cardio and... Uh, <laughs> eat cucumbers. I was, I was exactly the same as you, exactly the same in that. Yeah. The, the thing is, in, and the, the, the hole that a lot of competitors fall down when they start prepping for shows is YouTube comes in. So when you start getting interested in the sport, you find YouTube, you need to start looking at all the old videos of all the old greats and what it is that they've been doing and how they diet, how they train, how they do their cardio. You probably come across like something like Machiavelli motivation. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or watch all these inspirational speeches of who's like, dude, you just gotta grind. <laughs> no, no, no carbs, yes. cardio. You gotta train for two hours every day. <laughs> On the surface, you're watching it and you're like, you're jacked up and you're inspired to go and just be this incredible athlete. But you know, there are there are other ways of, of doing things and th ways of doing things that are probably more beneficial for the end result, um, both physically and, and psychologically. But um, yeah, YouTube. Stay away from YouTube when you start competing. <laughs> it, will, it will send you down some nasty rabbit holes. Yeah, and this is one thing I see a lot of guys who have like they like I've got a competitive fighting background who think prepping a fighter is the same as prepping a physique athlete, but actually vastly different because you're just looking to be lighter as a fighter. You don't have to even worry too much about body composition as long as you stay fit and you you, know, you can you can fight. Yeah, but I've seen it a lot, especially in Kenya. Guys who train, you know, who've done a bit of fighting training, coaching, suddenly coaching people for bodybuilding shows, and you're like, two yeah. different, two different sides of a different coin, mate. Yeah, yeah that's that's crazy. So, what are the main differences between? 
competition prep and coaching gem pop clients? Well, you can look at it from two different angles. The the difference as a coach is when you're when you're prepping an athlete is you need to start sweating the the minutiae a little bit more. You need to start considering the the smaller details that compound over time to have an extreme outcome because that's what we're trying to achieve is an extreme outcome. You know, you're stepping on stage, as Andy just said there, it's not like a, a weight loss competition. Just drop as much weight as you can and step on stage. That's not going to be a good look. Mm-hmm. You know, getting on stage in with the best possible body composition requires meticulous attention to training, recovery, nutrition, nutrient timing, all of these things that aren't really hugely to potentially like a gem pop climb. Don't get me wrong, obviously, a gem pop climb, we, we need to be paying attention to body composition. It's not a weight loss competition for them either. We want them to have more lean mass, less fat mass. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the ideal outcome for anybody. But, you know, there are certain things that you can put an athlete through who's prepping for a competition with a very clear goal in mind of, you know, potentially winning a show or doing well at a show. You can put that, that athlete or that individual through something that you potentially wouldn't consider putting a gem pop client through mm-hmm. because it's just not necessary you know um so you know there are there are distinct differences between prepping a bodybuilder a physique athlete bikini figure whatever and a jam pop climb but the principles are largely the same but how many of those different methods that you use to get the extreme outcome will vary based on how extreme somebody wants their results to be i suppose there's a bit more wiggle room with gem pop is in you've got more time mm. Yeah, it's not someone that is, is, sees progress, but when you've got a competition, it's on the fifth date, you've got 16 weeks, 20 weeks, whatever, you know, you've got to fit it in. And if, yeah, and we all know fat loss isn't linear. So you've got to sometimes throw a few things in there, which for a gem pop client, you probably, you know, you don't need to worry about finish date. If it takes a bit longer, it takes a bit longer, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and like with, with gem pop, you, you know, like you said, you're not really worrying too much about the sort of, nutrient timing and things like that you're just trying to get all your big rocks in place but i suppose when you're at you know you're trying to make that small percent difference you've got to you know have you've got to use everything get in that nutrient timing and all of that which yeah that's that's hard ollie do you find now with social media more of your gem pop clients have been following bodybuilders and athletes and they want to focus on all the little small rocks instead of focusing on the big rocks yeah definitely man that's a really good point and um you know you'll you'll get quite not necessarily from clients but you know just questions on social media and general in, in the dms will be like you know, I'm doing this, I'm tracking this, this bit of data like fasted blood glucose and all of these different things that are, like you say, really small rock pieces to the puzzle. And you can see that they haven't got big rocks in place, you know, energy balance, consistency, Sleep. you know, a, a progressive training program, things of that nature. And um, it's so easy to get sucked into the little details because social media puts it in front of our faces quite a lot nowadays you know you you only have to follow a few influencers or bodybuilders and look at the way that they go about achieving their goals and think that that's the way to do it when for most people it isn't you know most people don't even need to track calories they just need to stop ordering a takeaway every weekend and that would give them most most of their results so um yeah it is it is a slippery slope so social media and youtube be mindful for sure yeah like i remember when i started i saw Ronnie Coleman, every everyone I'm sure, 
in a magazine and I swore I'm going to get that big on creatine and I think at the time he was uh, he was uh, selling there was nano vapor like a pre-workout and I bought it yeah I bought it and I was like this is it Ronnie Coleman sells <laughs> Oh, Celtec first came out. I was like, I'm all over that. Yeah, the buckets. When I was 17, you used to get creatine tablets. So they were like horse tablets. They used to make you backload them. Right? So you'd have to load up on them. Oh, no. You're on like 12 a day for like the first uh, two weeks. Well, it obviously pays to be having 12 tablets versus one, doesn't it? So, <laughs> yeah, it was mental. Yeah. yeah. And it's, 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 um, it's crazy because then it's almost the same like social media because you don't really have a coach. So you're, you're just following athletes you like who've been training for years and years and you assume, you know, that supplement or that yeah. workout will, will do the trick. Yeah, definitely. And you know what? You can get a lot of work done doing that. You can get a lot of decent work done just looking to, you know, success leaves clues. I definitely believe in that. Yeah. If you're looking to some of these guys and girls and you think, well, if I can replicate that, then maybe I can have a piece of that pie. And that that might work for you. You might see some results from that. But, you know, the individual individual differences from person to person and what people's requirements are is, is huge, so vast. And then when you start getting down the realms of genetics, and you know you can have all of your ducks lined up and you can be the most compliant adherent consistent accurate mofo on the planet but have the genetics of i don't know a little duck and unfortunately you're not gonna you're not gonna be ronnie coleman a lot of people look at somebody like ronnie coleman and they scream steroids and they say yeah but he did this and he did that and of course but you only have to look at pictures of ronnie coleman when he was like 17 18 years old as a natural he's a pro natural didn't he yeah, and you, you wouldn't come. He would now smoke everybody on the pro circuit as a natural. Yeah, no, and Kai Green, Kai Green was saying. Yeah, exactly. So genetics plays such a huge role, and it's one of those things that people kind of bury their head in the sand with. The unfortunate <laughs> truth is, is, you know, you either got it or you haven't to some extent. Yeah, and I think that's where it's important to have a prep coach. Um, so, what are the other main benefits of having a coach during prep? I mean, yeah, Leon, Leon, Leon <laughs> oh, didn't for his first one. I mean, yeah, I, I, I just met him and it just seemed like pure hell. No, that was a second moment. Pure the, hell. The, like, the, the first last, one was worse. Yeah, but the last week he was eating asparagus and yeah. tin tuna. And cucumbers, yeah? Oh, like, cucumber, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. diuretics in. Too much water in cucumber, man. What were you thinking? I was hydrating on cucumber. <laughs> the water was... Like I was, I was measuring everything. If it's done, I'm like, I'll hydrate with cucumber. I was, it was pure <laughs> suffering. Well, I must say, this is this was pretty early on in our relationship. So if I stuck <laughs> through his peak week, oh, wow. that bodes Did well. You, that? <laughs> you guys are bomb proof. Otherwise, you're gonna make it to the end. I've got no doubt. Yeah, she, she tried to, you know, get me do less cardio. Just rest more, and I'm like, nope. He trains seven days yeah. a week. Nope. Yeah. Well, this, you know, that's that's a perfect segue into into your question. Is you know, why is having a coach a good coach? Why is having a good coach valuable in comp prep? Just simply because Leon is of the same mindset of many athletes in that, you know, the earnest is on do more, work harder, do that, and you know, you have these internal battles. You always feel like you could be doing more. You could be you know, more cardio, less calorie. That isn't necessarily, and it usually isn't the 
yeah. the right approach for the best outcome. You know, when we think back to body composition again, we want to retain as much lean mass as possible whilst losing body fat. So that doesn't require you to kind of bury yourself into the ground. And having a really good coach will mitigate that. You know, they'll be able to put the reins on you and, and keep you in check and say, look, less is more. A good coach isn't emotionally attached to your decision making and you are. So if you're making your own, a lot of coaches can prep themselves or a lot of individuals can prep themselves because they're quite good at detaching themselves from their emotional decision making. Mm -hmm. But even those guys and girls who do that will usually have a second pair of eyes just to say, look, am I doing the right thing here? Or have I got what we call prep brain? You know, mm -hmm. you start making clouded judgments because you'll look at yourself in the mirror and you'll be like, man, I'm still fat. And you're not, you're like 6% body fat and it's ridiculous, right? But you need somebody to just put the reins on you, tell you to wind your neck in and to carry on with the plan. And, and that's where it becomes really, really invaluable. Yeah, I, I remember I was not ready for the show until the last day. I was still too fat. It's like, crap. <laughs> it's like, and I, I went through this, it's like, you think you're too fat, then you think you're too small, then you yep, think you're too yep. fat, am I big enough? Am I just like wasting my time? I mean, that's why you did, coach. I think I remember Holly saying to me, well, you can only piss with a cock you got. <laughs> you know, if it's going to be someone bigger than you, it's probably going to be someone leaner than you. True, if you true. can just bring your best, yes. that's what you can do. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's an invaluable mindset shift to have when you're prepping for a show. It's really hard. It's really, really tough not to compare yourself who you're going up against and who's going to be there on show day. Again, especially in the realms of social media. Mm -hmm. You know, you, by the time you get to the venue, you already know every single dude you're going to be up against or you have a fair idea or lady. And, um, you know, you're watching their checking videos on social media. You're looking at how they're training, how big they're looking, how vascular they're looking. It's a... It's psychologically really, really tough now to prep for a show because you're constantly comparing yourself and you can't help it. So, I mean, having the mindset of, look, I'm just going to bring everything that I can and and enjoy the process as best you can along the way, you'll usually enjoy the whole thing a lot more, but it's easier said than done. I think the other issue now with social media is people compare themselves to pros. Yeah. yeah, they're getting ready for their first <laughs> show, but we're looking at an IFBB pro, say a classic physique or bodybuilding. Oh, look like how lean he is! <laughs> getting ready for their first physique show. And you're yeah. like, yeah, yeah that, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't think of that social media aspect, but that that must be really hard. Um, yeah, because if you if you think uh, like guys like Ronnie Coleman, they saw each other on show day, unless you trained together. Yeah, and that's it. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Just turn up for the Olympia. Yeah, I guess maybe like a guest posing, but you'd usually be off season. Yeah. Doesn't really mean much. I mean, apart from like Dorian Yates when he used to go in for guest posing at his heaviest, people knew that he was coming bigger to every Olympia, yeah. and they were just like, "How do I keep up with this?" But <laughs> outside of that, nobody knew what who was bringing what to what show. You know, it was all kept under wraps. Yeah, and do you find? Did you find as a coach that puts pressure on you as well? It doesn't put, it doesn't put pressure on me, but it, it means that I'm having conversations more frequently. In particular, not to kind of not to kind of um, pigeonhole the ladies only, but mm. more often I'm speaking to my bikini athletes and putting their mind at ease and saying, "Look, don't compare yourself to X, Y, and Z," yeah. because bikini and physique is such a subjective category anyway yeah true in that it's you know bodybuilding bodybuilding is very clear cut the, the biggest most muscular most symmetrical 
dude is going to win on the day. Bikini and physique, the lines are a little bit blurred. You know, it's the overall package. It's what the judges are looking for. It's ratios and all of those different things. So even if somebody in your mind looks better than you on social media, it doesn't really mean much on the day. You know, mm-hmm. the judges can prefer your look. So, yeah, it's tough. And I mean, also, again, as a coach, that's kind of... I mean, hard for you when people are always sort of second-guessing themselves and do you find sort of complex clients need more from you? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's definitely a more demanding role as a comprep coach than it is as like a German pop coach just because like you say there's all of these these psychological battles that the individual goes through so they do lean into you a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, particularly in the last few weeks of prep you know they start second guessing themselves and doubting themselves and am I going to be lean enough so, and am I going to it's that at the end of the day you're stepping on stage in your most vulnerable position possible you know you've, you've got everything on on show and you're stood up against all these other guys or girls being judged that's really really tough to get your head around for a lot of people it starts at the tanning with your sock on your way <laughs> that's where it starts that's where it starts and you're looking around you're like wow yeah because <laughs> i think the uk was the worst for me because in essay guys were you know you could, it's like uh, it's always the UK it was just a whole different league. I'm well, backstage. Yeah, because that's where I met Ollie, and I'm backstage, and I'm like, this, this can't be physique, no. <laughs> and then that's, the- the thing, that's what Ollie said. Like physique's so subjective. Like it just seems like people just get bigger and bigger with physique. Yeah. There's no cap on it. Yeah, I'm so- like, if I conditioned more, I'd, I'd be nothing there. It's like, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it. it um, it, I guess it opened my eyes and you get to understand the different, um, like just difference in size and, um, yeah. you know, conditioning from show to show. So, yeah, I guess for and me as well, it's, it, I think Leon, mate, it massively like, it, it depends on what, what you want from competing as well. You know, like mm-hmm. if you're going, if you, if you want to become an IFBB pro, that's your goal. Yeah then obviously you're going to be disheartened by results. It shows if it doesn't go your way and so on and so forth. But for a lot of people, competing is just like an outlet to what they enjoy doing, which is training and dieting. You know, people love progression and seeing their physique change from year to year and getting stronger. And when you have that healthy mindset of, look, I'm just doing this because I enjoy it, the whole process becomes, well, funnily enough, more enjoyable. Um, but you see some some real hissy fits, guys coming off stage and then get the result they want, and it's like, dude, like look at every. There's ten other guys on stage and they're all incredible. Like, what did yeah, you expect? You know, so. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, the thing. I'm probably that sort of lucky thing. I have no aspirations to be an IFBB pro, pro master, master pro. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I just enjoy like I enjoy being up on stage. It was enjoyable. Yeah, you know? it's like if the yeah, pro card comes. Yeah. Well and good. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've got genetics of our, uh, I don't know what, but they're not, they're not good. <laughs> I know, all right, I suppose. You're yeah. yourself there, I oh, Well, Ollie, it's interesting. So you, the first people to approach you were women. Do you, yeah. do you have an equal number of men and women now? Or is it... Oh, I have any what, sorry? An equal number of men and women comp clients? Um, 
Yeah, pro- probably actually more swaying towards females, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever reason that is, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, generally on my my like athlete roster, there's there's more females than there are guys. Um, so yeah, I think it's because you've had generally quite a lot of success with a lot of your girls previously, and I think that sort of yeah acts more more women, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. I mean. I think as well. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's been some decent results with the females, especially like the bikinis, and obviously Lauren with figure winning the world championships, and so that does in turn lead to more inquiries from that type of person for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, I, I generally strike up a decent rapport with with the females in that I communicate them on like a completely professional level, which I think a lot of the kind of shady comprep coaches, and I'm not going to name any names, yeah. but you, know, you hear these horror stories of the goings-on and check-ins and stuff, and it's like, how are you even conducting yourself as a business person that yeah, way, you know, let alone a human? Um, so I think that kind of pays in my favour as well. So, yeah. yeah. And when training women, are there any specific considerations that you have to take into account? Oh, God, how long have you got? <laughs> um, yeah, like... Prepping a female for a show is completely different to, to prepping a male. So many, so many different considerations. So many, so many variables to take into account. Um, I mean, the menstrual cycle alone can mm-hmm. be an absolute minefield. Um, I mean, I don't know how much detail you want me to go into, and I could probably just grossly oversimplify this. But you know, when a female goes through a menstrual cycle, there's huge changes hormonally happening. Estrogen starts to rise. She'll have her appetite in control. She'll feel, you know, like she can eat small meals and feel pretty good. And then progesterone will come into play and all of a sudden she'll have huge cravings and be super hungry and wanting to eat the world and the mood will change. There'll be more fatigue. There'll be, um, you know, from a psychological perspective and a mental perspective, huge shifts in mindset. So working around that, especially in the early stages of a prep when the menstrual cycle is much more, you know, consistent as it should be. Mm-hmm. These things, unfortunately, do change for females or can change for females as they start to encounter into lower levels of body fat. But in the early stages of a prep, you know, you're trying to manage that in conjunction with like fluid retention, poor digestion, um, constipation in the back end of the cycle. Those things are other, other variables that a guy, you know, doesn't have to account for. So that alone makes it a little bit more challenging. But the, the, the good thing is, is that a lot of ladies now do know what's happening with their bodies and they are well read on what, what's going on throughout the cycle and what the various phases of the cycle, in, you know, come, in, come into play with. So, you know, it, it's easier nowadays because people do understand what's going on. But then just, you know, working with a female when they start to get really lean and they're eating low calories... I mean, even a guy on low calories, they still have a certain amount of food that they have decent food volume. You know, so like if a guy got as low as 2,000 calories, which could be quite quite low for a, I don't know, 80 kilo guy or whatever, prepping for a show and he's quite low levels body fat, 2,000 calories, you can still eat pretty much a lot of the foods that you want to eat. Mm-hmm. You look at a female bikini athlete who's getting down to, you know, 50 kilos and below and all of these kind of numbers there's they're on a thousand calories sometimes they're on less than a thousand calories sometimes and the amount of food that you can actually eat with that 
that calorie requirement, that energy requirement is minimal. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to manage for them. Yeah. So I really do empathize with them. Um, so it is a completely different kettle of fish working with females for comprep for sure. Yeah, that's crazy. It's uh, that's the day's meal. That's one of my shakes right now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is the reality of it. You know, yeah. you could literally drink a bikini athlete's meal. Wow. As a, as a... I think. I think the other problem with a lot of the female competitors is they do a lot of them do a lot of shows a year. Not, not girls who particularly volley, but you see it where they're in like constantly contest prep all year round. And I think, you know, that must be horrible being on low calories for like a year at a time. Yeah. yeah. Is that... Yeah. Have you had any other stories of women who've come to you on like so low calories that you've had to like... Yeah, maybe even no no cycles for, you know, long periods yeah, of time. Yeah, no, the, the no cycle thing is a regular occurrence. And um, the harsh reality for those girls is that, look, you just need time away from dieting. You need to be well fed for extended periods of time. You need body fat on you need to be in a surplus and that psychologically for females can be quite tough especially when they've got a goal in mind you know um but it obviously you know is all in favor of their health over the long run and then horace i mean lauren was a case in point she came to me and she was on she's actually on really low calories right now but that's another story she looks insane though she's decided to look really insane Yeah. yeah she looks incredible um but she, you know, when she first came to me, she was on a really rigid meal plan. It was like fish and asparagus. It sounded like it. She's sharing that meal plan with Leon. To be yeah, honest. like yeah. My, did you give my, that to her? <laughs> probably. She must have seen. She must have seen my screenshot somewhere. <laughs> so you do, you do get horror stories, but it's not necessarily just with females, but with with comp prep clients in general. You know, you hear what old coaches have done with them and what they think is right and what isn't right. So quite often it's it's like undoing damage or rectifying things um which is a shame but it's just the the reality of an a a kind of unchecked industry for want of a better phrase you know nobody's nobody's ever seen this stuff yeah i suppose there's also that um we had a podcast not so long ago with morag about the effects of social media on sort of body confidence and everything else i suppose there's that sort of element to a lot of competitors actually not just women to be to feel like they've got to be lean all year and they've got to be almost in competition shape all year just for the gram when and everyone's so many people trying to chase like sponsorships and Mm. everything else to get some cheap protein you know when actually their health is deteriorating so yeah you know really really scary man super scary but you're right you see it all the time don't you you know like people walking around low levels body fat for what you know what what is the what is the goal you know why do you need to and it's and it all comes from gratification from social media getting likes getting attention and it's quite scary a lot of people get into competition prep or get into bodybuilding for for social media you know so you do have to question your why and what, what it is what it is that you're doing and why you're doing it because if your why is to impress other people it, it never ends well yeah never yeah. <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that brings me on to like what we talked about in that podcast is have you ever had to tell a client you can't take one to prep because they need to build a relationship better relationship with food because they're, they're borderline on a, a sort of a mental health issue yes yeah, I've, I've had to stop, I've had to stop a prep, um, you know, because 
just the information that was coming back on check-ins and what was happening and it, it was like right we need to we need to call this a day because it, it, it's not worth it you yeah. know it really really isn't worth it you know even if somebody's on the cusp of winning amateur shows or whatever i still in my mind and everybody's got different goals and ambitions of course but for me winning an amateur bodybuilding show is not worth you know sacrificing your health and your mental well-being for and i suppose that's where you can tell the good coaches from the bad because a coach fundamentally should have your best interest at heart yes yeah. you're paying a coach money you your health in general should be their main priority yes yeah. 100%. Yeah, hit the nail on the head. That, that unfortunately is, is the case, though. So, you know. So, like, uh, what are, like, the most common challenges when it comes to the athletes? Like, is it, say, financial? Um, like, what, what are your top challenges when it comes to, like, taking on athletes or coaching? Mental, financial? You know, yeah, emotional? I think, I, I think that biggest challenges really are psychologically from from those people I, I think if somebody's a first time you know prepper for a show I don't think they really prepare themselves for how psychologically challenging it can be oh yeah you know you are exercising <laughs> yeah exercising restraint for huge amounts of time back to back you know and you can work in things like diet breaks and refeeds and you know all of that kind of three meals but it's, you know, you are every single hour of the day in the latter phases of the prep, pretty hungry, pretty miserable, pretty tired. And um, it's grueling. It really, really is in its own weird way. So I don't think people are usually for that and how tough that can be. Um, but outside of that, I think most people know what prepping for a show, you know, what it takes and what people go through. I think even now, like the the general public have an idea of what this sport is all about. It's become so popular over the last few years that people kind of know what it's about and what, what these guys and girls are doing to some extent. Um, whereas five years ago, maybe nobody had a clue what this was all about. It was this real kind of like underground CD sport that nobody really <laughs> knew about, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, everyone has their own challenges, you know? And, uh, well, I'll speak for myself, but, do you think like bodybuilders secretly there's there's a love towards that suffering as you prep because mm. I enjoy it. some I, I, yeah. <laughs> I kind of yeah, enjoy usually the guys and girls who are like that <laughs> who almost actively seek out the suffering are the better bodybuilders yeah, yeah. yeah. But if you can harness that in a controlled way as yeah. like a coach like a coach can get hold of Leon and say look <laughs> I know you love suffering but let's like do a little bit of suffering that's usually the that that's the best client you can have because they actually love it. Yeah. Um, whereas some people just physically cannot take it there. You know, they cannot go and do the cardio. They cannot continuously try and beat their logbook. They cannot stand the hunger or not doing the social occasions. And they unfortunately won't do very well as competitors. So I think you do need to be a little bit sadistic to some extent to do well. You know? There's a lot of people burying their demons yeah. in, in this sport. True. A lot of people to get away from other issues and that's not necessarily a bad thing it's beats smashing heroin or yeah. <laughs> well that's where it's good to have a good coach if uh, I think if you are someone like that yeah. you know, yeah. just, to, just to keep you in a well hopefully in a more 
positive space. Because I'm sure Clea thought I, w- I was crazy for for for, for, a, for a while because it was the first time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what is wrong with this guy? Why? So when you so when you met guys, so how deep into prep were you, Leon? How how far into prep were you when you met? He just started. No, just, he yeah, just started. Just, oh, right, okay. yeah. so so no she, dates, date nights, no going out for dinner. No man. Yeah. She, weird thing is. Start with. She, yeah, she did the whole prep with me, so I was, you know, I was like, okay, oh. I guess. She's going to eat bland chicken and rice with me, though. Yeah, come round, come round and watch me eat chicken and cucumber. Yeah, <laughs> I'll give you an extra fifty grams. I was. It's was... funny because I, I met Sophie when I was on prep as well. I was prepping yeah. for uh, at the time it was a WBFF show, uh, like fitness model show. We met at the gym that we just started working at, mm-hmm. and I was prepping for the show. So that was the same. I went. We probably went four or five months without ever going out on a date night. Well, yeah. we went on date nights, but. Not yeah. for a meal, not, yeah. you know, not for drinks, as yeah. most people would do. So, um, yeah, it's a bizarre way to start a relationship. Yeah. I always say to folks, like, we're bomb-proof now. We've got yeah. through that. Through yeah. that, yeah. It's the same thing. Those five months of yeah. chicken and... Like, it's cinema dates. Yeah. Um, diet coke at the cinema. Dates, diet coke. At 4am, she's like, where are you going? I'm like, cardio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's... Um, Interesting way to start for sure. <laughs> so, so only for the clients that don't, you know, who, who aren't really cut out for it. Have you had them bail, or do you try and keep them going? How do you handle those kind of people? I always, I always try and get people to see it through if they've started it. Always, yeah. you know, because part of your role as a coach, one of the things that you'll be doing with your comp prep clients is as unfortunate as it sounds is motivating them when they are a bit low because you will go through moments of being low throughout prep you know like I say those moments of self-doubt those moments of extreme fatigue and and you know low energy low mood so part of your role at that point is to try and pick people back up and you know spur them on so could see it through um and usually the outcome of that is they get on stage and they do enjoy it you know and so if you just let people kind of bail out, then I don't think you're doing your role as well as you could. You know, you, you do have to kind of, part of what you're being paid for is to be accountable to someone. You know, they're paying you to, to be the kind of lighthouse, if you like. So I always try and spur people on all the way to the end. Yeah. I suppose it doesn't matter if they're any good either, as long as they enjoy it. Yeah, true. No, exactly, yeah. And that comes back to that whole thing of why are you doing it? You know, mm-hmm. you, let's, let's make it abundantly clear from day one. For most people... You know, we're going to do our absolute utmost with you. Let's see if you enjoy the experience. You may not win the show. You may not even get call outs. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Go yeah. and enjoy it. See if you like it. And if it's something you want to pursue and you want to, you know, build some muscle and go for another season, then brilliant. If not, that's fine as well. You know, yeah. but you've got to set realistic expectations for people. And um, there's a, it's like a famous, I'm sure you've had it saying in bodybuilding where no prep is the same. Have you found that, say, with clients, like, if it works, you know, don't change it, and you find that it works in every prep, or is every prep sort of different for different people, depending on, I guess, uh, how life is at the moment, you know, mentally, emotionally, or... That's the biggest thing, is, like, lifestyle change, you know, an individual is an individual, but everything around them is subject to change, you know, their lifestyle... Their, their energy expenditure because of that, their stress, their sleep, all of these things that feed into 
like what makes a prep successful. And again, using Lauren as a case in point, this has been a super, super challenging prep um, comparative to our prep two years ago where it was just a breeze. It was an absolute walk in the park. You know, it just went so swimmingly. Um, and then we actually tried to prep last year. Yeah. We had issues with our thyroid, so we had hypothyroidism. So we had to pull her out of that prep because it was just too stressful. We weren't yeah. going to be ready in time. And then we kind of ran into that issue again this time round. Um, we're kind of on track right now. It's going, it's happening. But we, it, this, this prep, every prep has been different with the same person. Yeah. So I do believe that no prep is the same for sure. Um, and uh, if you think that you can just blanket copy what you did last time and expect the same result, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, so I, I look at even myself, 2019, I lost weight quite quickly and we went into a sort of maintenance phase for a while because yeah. I, you know, I dropped so much body fat quite quickly. This year, though, was a bit more of a struggle. And I think now looking back, it's because I started getting blood glucose issues from my yeah. sort of weird genetics right so now we've got those under control was actually now you know it's, it's a little bit easier to control how my body's changing week to week but like prepping for show that didn't happen in the end you know it was a lot slower this time it was yeah, you know, it's steady but slower like you know the year before it was like quite quick and you know so i think yeah there's those issues for everyone i think and that just emphasizes i think how important it is to have a good coach and so Oli, what would you look out for or recommend for people to look out for in a good coach? Well, I would just say like, just look at their credentials, you know, it, and there's obviously a place for giving people a chance, you mm -hmm. know, if your mate's starting it and they, they need people on their books and you want to, you want to give it a go and you think that they can help you, then great, you know, more power to you. But if you want to invest in a coach that you know, is going to deliver the outcome and you don't really want to leave anything to chance then nothing beats just looking at people's credentials what have they done previously are they continue continuously putting out good results speak to some of their athletes you know see how they how the prep was for them you know you can you can message people say look i'm looking at hiring um your coach what was your experience like there's nothing wrong with doing that you know it's just market research mm -hmm. so that would be my advice to anyone is just do your research because there's a lot of people out there that on the surface are pumping out these incredible results but being somebody who's in the industry and i hear all the the hearsay in the background i know that the way that these results are are obtained are ludicrous like <laughs> ludicrous protocols in place so do do your research especially where your health is concerned for sure yeah, I think when I found Ollie, I went via, I looked at client results. And, and actually, beyond the result, the relationship with clients. Mm. Because you can tell a lot, like, you know, by the interaction people have, even on social media with their clients and, yeah. you know, the messages and stuff. And I think that's a, a good indication because, you know, a coach is a coach and a, to be the objective eye. But you need to have a, a decent relationship with them where you can trust them but, you know, if, as soon as you lose trust in your coach or you're unable to have trust in a coach, it's pointless having a coach because yeah, yeah. you're second-guessing everything. Yeah. Mm, 100%. Definitely. Yeah, unlike the sort of uh, fighter here turned uh, bodybuilding coach. <laughs> I mean, there's... Yeah. there's, there's no it, 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 It's quite rampant here. You know, I've had women come to me before asking for coaching and I've been honest I'm like I have I have no experience in that yeah. I, I wouldn't be comfortable 
you know, taking you through this progress. I have not competed myself. And again, with women, you've got to take into account so many other factors that I would say they really need to look for, you know, a good coach. We're going to change that clear, though. Sorry? Oh, okay. We're going to get you on that stage. I know, she, she, she doesn't know it yet, but... It'll happen. Just order a bikini, Leon. Just order a bikini. Yeah. For Christmas. You'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, then yeah. I'll do one show and, and then I'll become a professional. And, and then we'll go on a shred. Okay. Oh, but, I mean, just just sadly, as, as it is in the industry here, there's a long, long way to go. And as bodybuilding is becoming more popular... Um, I think it's it is so important that sort of anyone who's listening, um, you know, just like Andy said and like you said, Ollie, just do your research and find a good coach. And um, yeah, from watching Leon do his without coaches, I do think oh, yeah. it is just I think game changing to have a coach and so much easier on you. But can you imagine how much fun the coach will have? Because I'm I'm used to the now I'm used yeah. to I've 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 gone yeah. over I've <laughs> just yeah, so. you'd be an absolute breeze, mate. Yeah, and then I think personally I think it was good for me to do that so just to understand and yeah gauge my own mindset and I think mm. now that I'm ready for a coach I think it's probably made the, you more coachable. Is what you're saying. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think perfect. That's, that's yeah. the thing because you've tested the waters, realized it's a lot harder on your own. Yeah, mm-hmm. way harder. Especially yeah. mentally, man. It's, it's uh, I wouldn't advise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ollie, would you take someone for the sort of the final, I don't know, month of prep, or do you want to be with them from the beginning? I would typically like to be with someone from the beginning, but I have of occasion just helps people in the closing stages of their prep and it's and it's only and i've only ever done it once and it was with a guy that i've worked with previously okay so like basically he was three weeks out from the show he decided to do this prep by himself i'd worked with him as a like a gem pop client previously Mm -hmm. so he wasn't prepping for a show and he decided he wanted to prep for a show by himself so that was cool so he got like three weeks out from the show started second guessing himself what do i need to do should i be cutting my carbs should i be doing this and he just messaged me and said, look, I'm really, really stuck. I don't know what to do. Can you help me? And I was like, I don't normally, but because you're an old client and I, I know you and you're a friend, of course yeah. I'll help you. So in that instance, I would. But typically, like, the longer relationship and, re- and the more rapport you can build up and the more data you can collect from a client, the better the outcome at the end of the show. You know, yeah. so... Because that, mm-hmm. that seems to be a big issue here because I've even showed showed clear before it's like two weeks out to comp and guys are sending pictures in the dm like what should i do how can i help you and <laughs> just trying to ex- yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but it, it's you know how it, it's kind of hard trying to tell them i have no idea how your prep has been no i i have like it i wouldn't know where to start no. and Telling them that you can really see it's like oh it's 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 almost like are you just not trying to help me? Do you want me to? That's that's genuine. Like you 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 probably give the worst advice ever (laughs) if you were to. I mean 
unless somebody looks fantastic, they yeah, look true. like they're ready to go. I'll just, I'll just say, do just don't change anything. Just everything that you're doing currently, just keep, keep doing that. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, I would, it would be really hard to offer any sort of tangible, decent advice without knowing what's happened previously. Yeah, you're totally right. But yeah, and, and, and people think that you're palming them off. People think that you're just, you know, you can't be bothered to help them, but it's not the case. Mm. Yeah. yeah, the longer you can work with the coach, better because people just need time. You even see it like on a prep, even a prep, a prep can go fine, but actually, the more you work with someone, the better you understand yeah. them. So actually, two years down the road, it'd be even better result. Mm. Three years. But, you know, you see it all the time with people, you know, like Ollie will do, like, you know, do mock peak weeks to practice, you know, to practice. And that's done like, you know, what, like be up to sort of, you know, four weeks out, eight weeks out, you know, further back, depending on how lean you are, to test out the fit, you know, the carb up, you know, see how you are and how your body responds because everyone's different. Yeah. If you've just got, Two, yeah, you know, a couple two of weeks. weeks or someone, four weeks or <laughs> someone. You don't have time to that. You don't, you know, it's all guesswork. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And um, well, I see just pictures of you. You do try and go to your clients' shows. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I always try and get to the shows when mm-hmm. I can. Um, it's becoming increasingly more difficult with like my schedule <laughs> yeah. with. with kids now but the two when my second child is literally just about to arrive yeah. so i still endeavor to get to every show that i possibly can um i've done one show this year of clients um that, that's only there's only been one competition yeah. that yeah. i can get to and with with covid and it was just the most bizarre experience ever it was like one in one out you know it was a really really weird show to go yeah. to but i'm looking forward to hopefully there being some more normal shows at you know, next year and the season hopefully returning to normal with the venues and the way that they run it because it's just been awful this year. Yeah. I was lucky. I got Jude at my show. Yeah, you had little baby Jude. It was his first. Yeah. It was his first show. It was his first show, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, it just, I mean, that's so much extra commitment from you as a coach. Yeah, because um, he was backstage. Yeah. I'm like, crap. I'm alone. <laughs> yeah, because I used to just sneak. I used to always just like you'd walk up to the to the security guards and they'd be like, "You're supposed to be back here." Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. And if you say it with it conviction, a while to realize. Yeah, if you say it with enough conviction, they just let you in. Yeah. And then you can help them pump up. Walk around imposing trunks. Yeah. And they'd be like. But I think just it's okay, shape like you could have dieted a bit harder, but it's all right. Yeah, but I think even that just being there, it really, in terms of mindset, I think as a client, it it, it goes a long way. Yeah, you're oh, able yeah. to yeah. sort of like if you can cast your eyes over someone in the flesh, it just puts the athlete's mind at ease more than anything. You know, yeah. it's it's not necessarily I'm not really doing anything different mm. than I would do over WhatsApp for a client with pictures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same sort of thing, but. Having someone there, it just puts their mind at ease. So I, I do try and get there as much as I can. Yeah, no, and I, I think that, I think that just shows for anyone who is aspiring to be a competition prep coach that you, you are, I guess, going to have to go the extra mile in, in sort of many ways. Um, and yeah, it's, I think it's a lot harder than a lot of people realize, um, or yeah. it sounds much more romantic than it is. Um, but I'm sure it is very rewarding. Um, very, very rewarding. Very rewarding. Yeah. yeah. Who's um? You know, not naming names. Have you had any really challenging contest 
prep clients purely based on personality or you know lifestyle and no, investing. I've been literally so so fortunate, you know, with my comp prep athletes. Everybody's been like amazing people, amazing athletes, committed people. Um, honest, like honesty is a, a huge trait that you need in a good athlete because you just get more out of them and you can just coach them better. So I've just been really fortunate, and that sounds like a really diplomatic, like on the fence answer, but I genuinely have. So yeah, and no, I've just been really, really lucky to be honest with you. I think that's key. Be honesty. You, you need to have a relationship where you feel open, and honest. Because I've seen it. I've seen people um, sending whatever um, progress updates with filters on. You're like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> what's the point? Yeah. Sharpen on, sharpened by eighty. Yeah. Yeah, like everything's a bit blurry in the background. Jeez. Like, oh, the hairs, you can see the hairs on the side of the head. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, you get it. You're like, what? Why? What's Why? Yeah, yeah. yeah but more, more from like a honesty from like how people are feeling. Like when when you when you as a coach are approachable, and when people feel like they can speak to you about things potentially outside of your scope of practice to some extent, you know what's happening in your personal life, how you're feeling. You know, all those things come into play, and they will have an influence on the decision-making points as a coach. Yeah. So if you're not approachable and your clients aren't coming to you with these things and you don't know about them, then you're probably not coaching them to the best of your standard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important is having a real open line of communication and being the type of person who doesn't shut people down or doesn't ignore that kind of stuff because it does go a long way. It does get more out of the athlete if you do. Yeah, I remember I've dropped some bombs on Ollie this year. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go back to the UK. Dad's dying. <laughs> Checking was just like ruined. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what to say now. It's like, you know, physique seems a little bit less important. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Clown. Also, say, in, uh, in, say in light of that, like, have you ever had, because we know, you know, bodybuilding has a lot of secrets, and have you ever sort of had a client come to you, maybe they were enhanced or not, and then they never, they hid it from you? I didn't tell yeah. you about it. Uh, yes, yeah, I've had that. Oh. <laughs> I've had that. And I, but the thing is, is I, I know I know when it's happening because I'm not blind. Yeah. And I'm, I've got a trained eye in this thing, right? So I can see it happening. So I just kind of like, I just, I don't, without immediately calling people out, because what you don't want to do is make people feel uncomfortable or embarrassed. But you also want to let them know that, look, if you're going to do this sort of thing or whatever, then I need to know so that we can you know, act accordingly and take the appropriate measures, right? So I just gent I just gently let them know in a roundabout way that I know. By yeah. the way, I know what you're yeah. doing, that kind of thing, right? <laughs> and then it all comes out and there's a little bit of embarrassment, there's a little bit of oh, I wish I just told you sooner. But it happens. You know, people get a little bit funny about it and that's fine. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I would always say having being honest about that is is really, really important really important it is that's a huge thing that you need to know and then i'm sure i think if you're worried about your coach knowing you're using enhancements you probably aren't in the right headspace to be using them yeah yeah Yeah, that's like the one person that should know you know is you (laughs) yeah and i guess your say experience with i know with enhanced athletes there's a lot of it just adds a lot of variables and 
everything sort of changes is yeah i mean um, that, like the principles remain the same yeah but obviously yeah, that from a health perspective there are other things that you need to be really mindful of yeah and it's really important as a coach that you know when and where you should be referring out if it's if it's not your bag it's not your bag there's no yeah. shame in that mm-hmm. you know but don't just take something on blindly putting somebody's health at risk when you know you're not in a position to do so yeah I mean, I as a coach if a, if a client came to you as a coach and said that i'm injecting heroin into my eyeball <laughs> you say well mate you're not for me yes. but you know i think some people lose, lose sight of what we you know of their, their field of expertise a little bit when it comes to yeah. to sort of, sort of things you know? Yeah, because it's like Oli said, and I've I've also just heard so many horror stories, and sometimes I wonder because there is when you read when you read and uh, research, there's a lot of books that really make you understand and you know all the compounds, how enhancement works, and you wonder why would a coach put someone through that with you know, with knowing what the compounds are able yeah. to do. And you know there's a, this is safe, you can do it like this. So why why would a coach go with a, you know, extreme, so to speak? Yeah, I, honestly, because people are so blindsided by the outcome that they don't even have a, a care or a second thought for the individual's health or well-being. You know, and that's a true mark of, as a person, as, as a human being, yeah. like you're respect for life that just speaks volumes about you personally for me so um i will always be the first to hold my hands up and say look Mm -hmm. i either don't think you should do this or you need to go and speak to somebody who can help you that kind of thing um but it happens all the time you know and then that's where you hear like you say all the horror stories you hear all the crazy things that go on and how people are just fucking themselves up excuse yeah. my french <laughs> so that's also a good characteristic of a coach if they're able to refer and mm. you know network and get you to yeah ask other people yeah, a good coach will have connections with other people anyway you know yeah. connections with people who can help with x y and z so it's kind of filling your voids to some extent you don't necessarily need to be an expert in every field would it be nice to, to be an expert in every field of course it would but you know that requires a lot of time and dedication and all of those things to, to learn those those aspects of everything. Yeah. So if you've got good connections with people who can help there, then great. Yeah. But like this is a thing. I think there's a lot of harm can be done with performance enhancing drugs, especially when I've you know some of the horror stories I've heard of women, you know, like, you know be, even just figure women, you know, or even probably bikini, doing testosterone shots, and you know you're like. Mm. You know, why is your coach sort of allowing it? And then sometimes it's because the coach just doesn't have the knowledge. Oh, and yeah. They're too scared to say, look, I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm. There's some reason I'm training you like a male bodybuilder <laughs> and stuff. And saying, yeah, I don't really know what I'm doing when it comes to women's physique competitions, you know, women's figure or whatever. Yeah. That's a big hit on your ego, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Coach, hold your hands up and say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when you're being paid as a, in a position of power or a position of knowledge. So to put your hand up and say I don't know doesn't that takes a massive knock on people's egos and that's why they don't say it enough yeah, um, but actually you probably command more respect and more trust from your clients if you do have the ability to hold your hands up and say I don't know you know so 
think it's, it's just a better trait as a human to admit when you don't know something, and but you're willing to learn. Mm. But at that point in time, mm. you know, you don't know enough. Hold your hands up. Yeah, because coaching is a big responsibility. Yeah, someone's um, health, their yeah. mental health, their everything. Um, so I suppose that's the biggest thing. The mental health side is yeah. the thing. It's the hardest to notice, but the easiest thing to screw up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely nailed it there, mate. Um, so, Ollie, have you got any uh, future competitions for yourself? Oh, big plans. Big man plans. Big man plans. There's definitely an itch that needs to be scratched. <laughs> you see yeah. him posting. He started posting his checking photos again. You yeah, know, I'm like... <laughs> Is he doing yeah. Spain? Is he doing NPC Europe? Europa, well, well for the listeners, uh, Ollie has a coach as well. So oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Every every good coach has a coach, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I definitely have an itch that I need to scratch. So <laughs> I'm I'm pushing my body weight back up again. I'm enjoying my training. I'm enjoying the eating. So I'm just going to see where I'm not putting any pressure on myself because I'm I'm mega busy. But, yeah. Maybe number two coming. And, and, and another <laughs> bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm not putting any pressure, but I'm just going to ride out in 2021, see where it lands me, and then probably 2022 I'll, I'll compete. What about you? What's the what's the plans for you guys? Well, obviously I know the plans for Andy, but Leon, what's the plans for you? Not sure. Maybe, maybe end 2021. Same thing. Just at the moment, it's try get as big as as pack on as much muscle as possible to just look way more different than the previous competition. I can see you're, you're spending a lot of time with JP at the minute, so you oh, yeah. <laughs> mindset of, I just need to grow. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's, um, mainly, he's mainly grown his cheeks. So you have to actually come down a little no, bit, Leon. You know, down, you're not yeah. Like yeah, I added some steps. <laughs> no, but yeah, I'm... Um, um, Usually it's your page, JP, uh, yeah. Dusty, and yeah. like Dr. Mike, you know, coaches I look up to. So they, it's, it's just that fuel to the fire. And I'm like, well, yeah. Dr. Mike, Mike is a teller. Yeah. Mike. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. When he competes, Ollie, <laughs> I know. I'm sending him your way. <laughs> Definitely. So that I don't need to be the one telling him he's not bad. It would be my pleasure. <laughs> well, Ollie's on a Kenya takeover anyway. Uh, yeah, so you are, I know. I've got around. Yeah. Why was you like your first? And it's just like, it's like, you know, it's like gremlin. Yeah, definitely. Like six months out, we you'll just see my, my, like my, email my text or like, I'm ready. <laughs> that, would be, mate, yeah. that would be my pleasure. I would absolutely love that. Yeah, but now just, just, Getting back to enjoying training, growing, you know, not yeah. just packing on muscle and, you know, yeah. like yeah. imagining I'm 21 again and I've started training. So. Yeah, it's fun though, right? Yeah, it's yeah. when there's no, there's no real pressure. It's just like you do it because you enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. And progressing feels amazing. I just love mm-hmm. the training. That's why I like having my home gym now. It's like, you know, when I get back to Kenya, it's because... It's there. I can just yeah. roll out my house. And I don't need to stress about driving somewhere because you know, where I live in the middle of nowhere. So yeah. <laughs> closest gym's thirty minute drive, oh, which yeah, is true. all right. You know, you take pre workout, you listen to your tunes, and you you get there. Hopefully, you not get caught in traffic because you're buzzing all the time. <laughs> uh, um, which is great. But now I just sort of roll out, go to the gym. You know, 
Do your steps first, oh. yeah? Put my, put my weights away still, because, you know, it's only stitch myself up if I don't. <laughs> but, yeah, no, and I'm looking forward to it, you know. Like, I suppose I'm lucky. I You know, I really want to compete in classic, and, you know, I've got put on a, quite a bit of size to that. But I, my body works where my legs grow, always have done grown quicker than my upper body. Mm. I have, like, you know, better legs. And I suppose, but what I noticed when I was doing prepping for the physique show was... They shrink the quickest as well. So it's like, you know, they grow quick, they right. go down quick when you're dieting. So it's a case of build them right up. To bring them yeah, no stair master for you, man. Oh, that's it. Yeah. But it never matters with physique, does it? You know, you just try oh, yeah, to maintain your shot width. Yes. Yeah. 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 But with, it's the opposite, you know, classic, you just need that X, X shape. Yeah. yeah. You're in Hundred pound now, Andy mate. So we're getting there. Yeah, mm-hmm. Getting there, we're pushing it up. Mainly beard weight, but <laughs> the COVID well, beard. The, we <laughs> we had a Kamal Elgardney on the podcast, and um, yeah. he we were telling. Well, he wants to do something in Africa, and we were like really pushing that. That would be so great to do something here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, they just do a two twelve show and stitch us both up. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll require some so, so extra when, help. When that happens, Ollie, you can come on a family safari as well. Yeah, Andy has Andy has a whole you know ranch, and you can train and gym. Oh, he's, got, yeah, he's got a gym. He's got a ranch. Yeah. He's got animals. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. it'd be got, perfect. Yeah, got, you know, got a nanny. Kids be looked after. You know, so if you can just disappear off into the bush. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, hang on, wait. What? Hang on. <laughs> what? Not forever. Don't leave me in kids yeah but that, cheese, yeah that'd be a very good idea so well hopefully one day there will be um you know something like that out out the here classic podcast classic yeah. and andy you'll be i'm sorry you'll be the uh, the, uh, the official coach yeah because there's yeah, i think there's a lot of guys here who it's almost wasted potential because we, we do need to get some seminars going because yeah. there's so many like, you know, there's guys in Kenya, the raw talent in Kenya is insane. But mm. guys, I watch, a, you know, their social media, they're just doing, and I say this every week, there's a couple of guys I can think of, just wasting their time. Yeah, they true. want to be a physique athlete, they also want to be a strong man. Mm. They're doing a bit of everything. Yeah. You know, they're all the show. Lost. But there's guys like, um, what's his name, Wallace, yeah, over yeah. at Hood Gym. Who's just naturally insane? He could be a two twelve pro. He's you know. he's built for. What and he's got he built his gym in the hoods. But you know, he was a working gym, and he's just you know, he's just got this great natural physique, and he's all natural, and it's just like the most insane physique. Yeah, he's he like he that. Profile, Andy. Yeah, yeah well, no, he's, he's he's amazing. He's it's impressive. Just, it's, here, it's just opportunity because even with traveling, it's expensive. So it's. Yeah. Lack of yeah. sh- lack of shows is is, is well. There's a lack of federation in Kenya. That's a problem because the federation's oh, yeah. corrupt and we've got you know we've got court case and everything else. So what's not corrupt here, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, sadly, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why we need like international shows. We need like a PCA to do a Kenya East Africa because we do South Africa. East Africa's a hub. You yeah. know, Tanzania's got some good bodybuilders. Oh yeah, Uganda. Well, Uganda guys are like they're ge- ge- genetically, ge- they're just large, large guys. 
Yeah. Well, there's the, yeah, there's so much potential here, and that's why we thought this would be such a great episode for, you know, all those aspiring bodybuilders to listen to this and, yeah, know how to find a good coach and the importance of a good coach. Especially and to the all ladies. the coaches out there mm-hmm. who, you know, it's, you need the experience and don't be afraid to refer out. Definitely. Yeah. Just hit your profile, Ollie. Enjoy it. <laughs> Well, I think, I don't know, any more questions, gentlemen? No, I'm, I'm, I think that's it. Yeah, well, Ollie, thanks again. If there's any really... more, we'll, we'll DM. Slide <laughs> up in his DMs. Yep. <laughs> Two weeks out, what shall I do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll get the ones I get. Where can I get Winstrol? Yeah. yeah, and here's the uh, local think, supplier yeah, for Winstrol. Like, weirdly in Kenya, all the guys <laughs> that's... Not the bodybuilders, only use Winstrol. Yeah, some. But we don't, you know, I think we just get it by luck or whatever. But for some reason, I get messaged like, one time an American girl was coming to <laughs> Kenya to train. She messaged me and said, oh, you know where I can get Anavar? I was like, what am I like? Some sort of druggy. You know, like, like what we said last week. It's like, who looks <laughs> like a dealer? Like, this guy well, yeah, might know. Talk to me, it's like, oh, you're a lot bigger in your life and you seem a lot friendlier. Uh, <laughs> I must be like short, like people say I'm some sort of short, midgety, angry drug dealer. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's the name, the Nairobi cowboy. Yeah, it's like he must, yeah. he he's must Nairobi. know. He knows. It's the opposite. I'm a sheriff. <laughs> uh, oh, wonderful. Well, Ollie, really appreciate your time as always. Thank you so thank much. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Cheers, guys. Okay. Right, bye. You. Cheers. Bye.